the beginning of the job interview process, you're just a piece of paper. Another resume submitted for the gig. You get piled up with the other papers and before you even know it, you've been placed into one of two piles, the no's or the yeses. This is the show all about getting you into the yes pile. Hey, welcome to the Yes Pile, the show that helps you transform your professional persona to land you where else? In the Yes Pile of candidates for your dream job. I'm your host, Tessa Wolf. I'm a recovering corporate manager turned career coach. I've coached hundreds of professionals in my career and I've interviewed thousands more. And now I'm here to help you navigate this brave new world and to provide you with simple and actionable advice for success at any stage of your career. My goal, help you land your perfect job and then kick ass at it. So whether you're putting off drafting that resume, actively on the job hunt, navigating hurdles in your current role, or considering a complete career switch, I'm here to share my best tips and tricks to position you for success. As the saying goes, if you get tired, learn to rest, but don't quit. All right, show of hands. How many of us over the past 16 months have just felt like quitting? Quitting everything. The job, the chores at home, the expectations. As a country and as a generation, we are tired. We are overextended. We are underappreciated. We are feeling the weight of things in a way we've never felt before. Now, I've talked a lot on this show about how we can employ practices to refocus ourselves and prioritize our to-do lists with the aim of amping up our productivity. And that's all really important. That stuff really does work to help give you direction and purpose and focus. But for today, we're gonna take a deep breath in, and out and just be okay with not being okay. Did you know that in 2019, the World Health Organization actually recognized the phase burnout as a real health concern brought on by ongoing chronic stress? It's true. It's not just a catchphrase or buzzword coming out of a year and a half of navigating a pandemic and a whole new work home, relationship, parenting, whatever dynamic. No, this has been around for a while. And the interesting thing is there's been a lot of chatter about this WHO observation and a lot of medical professions saying, hey, this isn't just observing. We need to recognize this as a real living, breathing medical phenomenon. And over this past year and a half, burnout has become a phrase we've all heard and maybe even felt on different levels. It's a phrase at the forefront of our minds and millions of people are feeling deflated. And that's the funny thing about real burnout. I mean, listen, we've all felt tired, zapped, fried from work. We all have seasons where it's just go, go, go. And then we have seasons where we want to and need to slow down to find that balance. And especially in higher stress industries or roles, there are absolutely natural peaks and valleys to our work. But this, 
this feels different. And that's what a lot of doctors are talking about is the difference between being tired and the actual status of being burned out. And when we think about burnout, something to think about is burnout comes with exhaustion. And that is a real lack of energy. But in addition to that, burnout really comes with this feeling of being disconnected. Not just disconnected from work or from our responsibilities, but disconnected from a lot of the things in our lives that used to bring us joy or motivation or affirmation. So a feeling of being disconnected from your job, a job you maybe used to love or, you know, maybe it was your dream job at one point in time. That can be another symptom of this burnout. You're exhausted. You feel disconnected from your job or maybe you feel really negative about your job in a way you never did before. And life in general just feels like it's bubbling over. Now listen, with burnout, all of that emotion and all of that feeling really comes to a head when we actually start to be less productive. So now we're not just feeling that way, it's encroaching into our ability to do. We're less effective at our jobs, we're less active in our personal lives, we just feel over it. And something that I think is really defining to burnout versus just being exhausted is that you don't even feel overwhelmed anymore. You are past overwhelmed. You're just over it. You're numb. And I want to take a pause and say, does this sound familiar to you? Is this resonating for you? There's a strong chance it does because the reality is millions of Americans are walking through the phases of burnout right now. The reality is, is that the emotional energy we normally stash away in our reserves has been completely depleted as we have navigated and are still navigating the implications of the pandemic. So the things that used to add that extra mile in the gas tank when we're running on empty, the emotional reserves that used to power us across the finish line, that's gone. It doesn't exist anymore for most of us. So people who never felt anything resembling this before, people who consider themselves highly stress tolerant, super high functioning, they're all feeling burned out for the first time ever. Now, Lucy McBride, who's a practicing internship in DC, she wrote an article last month for The Atlantic that I really enjoyed and found really insightful. And in that article, she said, the work of living through a pandemic is making us sick. This has been actual real trauma that we've all lived through and it takes work. So I'll repeat that line again. The work of living through a pandemic is making us sick. And today, in order to make it to the other side of this burnout, in order to muster the energy for re-entry into non-pandemic life, people need more than a vaccine and more than a vacation. They need validation of their experience. And they need tools to dig out from more than a year's worth of trauma. And she goes on to talk about something I've been feeling passionate about for years. As a culture, we've been teetering on this collective brink of burnout for years. I really believe that. 
the combination of wholesale culture and toxic stress and poor access to affordable health care and mental health care has really set Americans up to be one of the least healthy populations of all the wealthy countries. It's true. She talks about the fact that diseases of despair, including depression, anxiety, PTSD, and addiction, were already rampant in our society. And now, as we're coming through this pandemic, we're not over it yet, we're coming through, those things are higher than ever. In this same article, she shares that a staggering four in 10 adults have reported symptoms of anxiety and depression, which is four times that of the pre-pandemic rate. That is astounding. Now, to take that a step further, more than one in four mothers report that the pandemic has had major impact, major on their mental health, which makes sense, right? It's not just moms feeling that. 24% of all parents have reported being diagnosed with a mental health disorder since the start of the pandemic. And those are just the folks being diagnosed. So think of all the people that don't have access to regular medical care. Something else I want you to think about. Visits to primary care for anxiety and depression have increased more than 13% among kids, among our children. Let that all sink in for a minute. We are collectively on pretty shaky ground. Being less than okay is now the new normal. And even though we may know that, we may hear it and honor it, we somehow are still expected to keep on keeping on as if nothing has changed. And the place where this is most challenging and where we want to focus on today is at work. There is an expectation that we are still working with the pace and passion and dedication that we did pre-pandemic. But the reality is we as employees are finding it harder than ever to remain motivated and productive and engaged on a daily basis with our jobs. Even in those jobs and industries we love. Now, millions of Americans are re-entering the workforce right now, and many of them are doing so in new and exciting jobs or industries, right? But they're entering and they're already in a panic. And I think a lot of people are asking themselves, wait, was work always this hard? Was it always so challenging to be on top of things, to stay focused? And the answer is no, it wasn't. It was not always this hard. We are all coming through the tail end of a major traumatic event. And there's a strong chance that you're not just adjusting or settling back into the routine. You're not going through an adjustment period. You very well may be suffering from burnout. And I know that catches people off guard, particularly folks that are just starting these new jobs or new industries. They're like, but wait, I'm just starting. How could I be burned out? It's because the activities of the past year and a half in our collective being, in our lives, and all the components that make up our lives, the emotional energy reserves that we normally use to power us through are depleted. So before you can even begin, you are feeling defeated. And I did not mean to rhyme there. <laughs> 
So you may be suffering from burnout. And look, as you are ready to address it and work on it, there are ways you can proactively try to address and optimize elements of your work life to help you overcome that feeling. But before we jump into that, I want to say it's okay. It's okay to be tired, to be frustrated, to be disappointed. It's okay to just not have the energy to cope. What you need to do is give yourself space and time to heal, to re-energize, to reconnect with your loved ones and your community, and to identify the things that you have, know, and can do that fulfill you and fill up your cup and spark joy and all of those things that are so important. But it's okay to honor that feeling. This is a really really unique time in our lives and our stories. And if you don't take the time to address it and take care of yourself and work through it, you're never going to come out on the other side. So with that ambition of coming out on the other side as our ultimate goal, I want to talk about five specific areas of your work experience that we can evaluate together in an effort to pinpoint any specific stressors at work that you can maybe impact. So these common stressors that we're gonna talk about, these five, are things that you actually may feel like you can't influence and can't change, but you actually can. And we're gonna tackle these and talk about how we could look at them, how we can affect change to help you feel better about your nine to five. So the first area, area one, And this, I think, is the most common, at least in all of my coaching sessions, as well as conversations with my community. And that's feeling burned out because you're feeling a lack of control when it comes to work. The feeling of the inability to influence decisions that affect your job, such as your schedule or your workload or your specific assignments, that can all lead to burnout pretty quickly. But so could a lack of resources when it comes to the things you need in order to be able to do your job, particularly when we're all working from home, or at least a lot of us are working from home still. So instead of feeling like those are things you have no say or no control in, I want you to actually work to identify the elements of these that you can ask for support on. So for example, if you're feeling a lack of control specifically related to your workload, If you're feeling like your workload is just too much, I want you to take 10 minutes to identify a project or a task that you could delegate to somebody else. And then I want you to proactively approach your manager with the issue. Something like, I've got a lot on my plate and I'm feeling like I'm unable to get it all done. But then I want you to deliver the solution. I'm thinking of handing off X task, like the weekly report I create and distribute to Christy which would help me deliver better work across all the balance of my projects. And then the key, guys, is when you are thinking about the delegation, make sure you've already checked in with this specific colleague and say, hey, are you game to lean in or take this on, even in the short term, to help me focus on some other things? The point is you're coming in to your manager, not just saying, oh, I feel overwhelmed and like the work is out of control. You're coming in with a very tangible and clear element of your workload that you want to get off your plate 
and you're coming with a clear why. And the why in this example is it's impacting your ability to deliver on more important elements of your job. And then you're delivering a solution, a suggestion. So the problem isn't just your bosses to solve. That's the key. You have come up with a solution. And so what you're doing is you're really just checking in with your boss to say, hey, I identified a problem. I've identified a solution and I want to put it in place. Are we cool? This exercise, in addition to cutting down your to-dos, also gives you a sense of productiveness and problem solving that you can be proud of. And I've said this before, but I stand by it firmly. If you can check one big thing off your to-do list, and in this example, it's delegating a project that's been weighing you down. If you can just check that off the list, the sense of relief and pride and accomplishment that comes over you actually will fill up that reserve tank a little bit and help power you through the next task. Now, area two, the second area of work burnout that you likely can affect is this feeling of burnout from having to navigate unclear expectations. So if you're feeling confused, if you're feeling unclear about what's expected from you at work or the degree of authority you have in your position or even what your supervisor expects from you, you're probably not feeling super comfortable or super motivated or super focused, right? In fact, if that's the world you're living in, you're probably spinning a bit. You're not sure where to focus your time and energy. Does that sound like you? All right, let's tackle that. So instead of hitting up your boss like, hey, can you tell me what you expect from me? Which can sound a bit ominous and maybe too broad for your boss to even react to. Instead, what I want you to do is approach your boss to help you set 30, 60, and 90 day priorities. That's right. I want you to go to your boss and say, hey, I'd like to establish a 30, 60, and 90 day priority plan. And just give them the the context that with everything going on, and so many areas and tasks I can jump in and help on. I really want to work together to align on the specific things where I should be focusing my time and attention on to make the biggest impact for the company. And that last part, that's really the key to setting up a meaningful conversation and really refining the focus around your responsibilities. You wanna convey to your manager that you are dedicated to making an impact and you're reaching out to them to help you focus your time and talents on the things that will do just that. And giving the conversation the context of what can I do in the next 30 days, the next 60 days, the next 90 days to make a difference at this company helps your boss see your commitment to doing the right thing. And as a very lovely byproduct of that convo, you now know the areas where you can hunker down and get to work where you need to be spending your time. And now you won't waste any more time in that never-ending guessing game, right? In jumping from fire to fire to fire and just trying to figure it out, you now have a roadmap to focus your energy, your time, and your talents. All right, area three. This is one that I've been hearing from a lot of folks lately, and I think it's something we've dealt with for a long time. We're just starting to be more vocal about it. And that's feeling burned out from navigating a dysfunctional workplace dynamic. This is a big one. And the thing to realize here is dysfunction can take many, many forms, right? It could be a collective mindset that's a little unhealthy. It could be having a manager who micromanages you. Or maybe you have to navigate an office bully. I know that seems so silly, but it absolutely exists, particularly in that mid-level size organization. 
Or maybe it's something like you feel undermined by your teammates. You do a project and then they go around you and do something differently, whatever it is. Feeling the dysfunction of relationships, workflow, communications, it's really wearing. I mean, it could put anyone on the brink of a burnout when they're coming up against it time and time again. And I'll tell you this, if you are experiencing toxic workplace culture or true dysfunction, the number one thing you can do is speak up. (laughs) Do not leave yourself to your own devices to navigate unprofessional behavior or let bad, bad policy or toxic behavior from others slide. Don't do that. It's not yours to navigate alone. It's important that you speak up and you elevate with integrity and professionalism intact and at the forefront of your mind. You elevate your concerns to the right people at the right time. And I always say, if you've observed something that's just absolutely against policy or super negative or dangerous, you know, share what you observed or experienced with your manager and at, or HR, whatever you're most comfortable with. I know every company is different. And ask for counsel or resolution. Don't try to solve it on your own. It shouldn't be on you to address something like bullying or disrespect or sub- insubordination, right? Let's address it with the right votes. Let's elevate it in confidence and ask for resolution. And I think the important thing to do and something people struggle with is finding the confidence to elevate the issue without gossiping, <laughs> without putting a ton of emotion on it, just root your concern in the facts about what you saw or what you experienced and asked for change. Ask them to address the problem for you. Now, if you work somewhere where you do this and they do nothing to address the issue or help you navigate around it, then that's something you really need to think about. And I hate the phrase toxic workplace, but I think that could apply here, right? If you witness bad behavior or you're subject to bad behavior, and that doesn't just mean you're having a hiccup with communications, or you don't have a clear line to your boss, but truly bad behavior and policy that's damaging to employees and the work, then you need to raise your hand, raise your concern, state what you saw without emotion, and ask for resolution. And if they do nothing, then you might wanna consider moving elsewhere because that's not the right type of environment for you or for your peers. But my advice always, before you jump ship, before you go, oh, this place sucks, I'm out of here, is give it a try. You never know what you have the power to change by speaking up. So if you are navigating a dysfunctional workplace, take a thousand steps back and try to look objectively at what the problem is. Is it just information flow? Is it just communication processes? Are there simple things you can do in your day-to-day to improve that? Or to ask your manager or your team to adopt so that you guys can support one another and do better at your jobs? Or is it deeper than that? Is it behavioral? Is it dangerous? And if it's those things, then I want you to raise your hand, elevate, escalate without emotion, and ask for resolution. And let's see what happens. Now, area number four And this is one that I think we all feel, right? I think we're all living in this space a little bit. And this is a lack of social support at work, right? Over the past year and a half, we've all experienced a lack of social support. Even if you were someone that worked from home previously or worked remote previously, we all have just kind of gone through a reshuffling of sorts around some of our social graces and the way we interact with one another. So if you're feeling isolated at work, 
And then if you couple that with potential feelings of isolation at home or in your social life, you very well may be feeling much more stressed than ever before. And not feeling like you have a community or a go-to or a work friend or close group at your job, that can all make you feel like you're experiencing a lot on your own. And for many, that's an uncomfortable space to be in, right? Most of us need confidants and others to help us navigate the bad days or the tough situations or celebrate the wins. Work friends and work community have a very special kind of context that our spouses, partners, and friends just don't. It's not the same sharing it with a roommate or a friend as it is a colleague who understands all the nuance of what you're talking about. So if you're feeling a bit isolated at work and it's getting you down and you feel like you don't have any support, there are two things I want you to consider doing. Number one is organize a social experience. This could be virtual or in real life, depending on where you live, your comfort levels, and your company policy. But for employees, I want you to organize a social experience for yourself and your peers based on a shared passion versus just the tasks of your job. So this could be something like a book club or a virtual cooking class or even a weekend bike ride. So doing this, throwing open the open invitation to connect over a shared passion might introduce you to a new coworker that you never got the chance to chat with or somebody who's joined your team during the pandemic. You might also discover a common thread that unites you with someone on the team that you didn't really connect with before. Whatever it is, this is a great way to help people connect on real non-work aspects of life. And what that does is it actually helps you form stronger bonds with one another that helps navigating elements within the workplace so much easier, (laughs) so much easier. We give each other a lot more grace when we have that personal relationship or the personal connection. So why don't you try to organize a social experience? Now, the second thing I want to offer you as a potential solution to feeling isolated at work is to join an industry group. So if you don't have a community within your company and maybe you're not comfortable organizing a social experience, why don't you find some company within the industry? So find a group and join it of professionals who do what you do, but at other companies. Sometimes those are local chapters. Sometimes those are national chapters you can find online. LinkedIn's a great spot. Facebook's a great spot. There are plenty of other uh, resources for finding these professional groups, but join them. If they have a local happy hour, go check it out. If they have a message board where people are sharing concerns or inspiring articles or topics for discussion, participate. Share opinions, share happenings, share articles, share funny stuff. Just connect with others who get you and get what you do professionally, and maybe even can offer you some outside opinion and advice when you need it. So if you don't have the community in the company, go find some company in the industry. And that brings me to our last area and those five areas that you can proactively work to address to help you avoid or navigate burnout. And this one, full disclosure, has always been my personal struggle. But area five is the idea of work-life 
imbalance. I'm going to throw the M there, imbalance. And yes, we can talk circles around the idea of work-life balance or integration because it's an argument as old as time, right? Do I think there's actually such a thing as a perfect work-life balance? Absolutely not. (laughs) Do I think there are ebbs and flows to both times where you may need a little more home life and times where you may choose to lean in a little bit more at the office? Yes. Yes, yes. I think there's always give and take. And seasonality to the idea of work-life balance is there. But when your peak never has a valley, when there is no change in season, and one part of your life, either the home or the work, is making all of its demands that you cannot possibly find enough oxygen to breathe life into the other, that's when things get really hard. When one thing is all-consuming, and you don't have any energy left to do the bare minimum in the other, that's when you burn out. Now, my best tip for you is actually a little bit controversial because I want you to take a break from both. If you can, and look, I know the solution I'm offering you is actually a luxury, but if you can, take one day off from everything. One day off from work, from home, from your friends, from family. It's a day just for you. And I want you to rest and eat and move your body and do something that brings you joy and be alone and then rest again and practice a mindfulness exercise, journal, meditate, yoga, just sit in silence. And then I want you to say no to something that's been weighing on you. That invitation, that thing you signed up to do, but now you really don't want to. That overextension of yourself, whatever it is, I want you to take it back. I want you to say no to one thing that's been weighing on you. And then I also want you to carve down time to write down your priorities. And I want you to do this later in the day after you've been able to release a little of that energy. I want you to write down your priorities in work and in life and study them, focus on them. Remind yourself why you're doing all of this and use that motivation to reset. Giving yourself the space to recharge without any interference gives you a clearer perspective and a stronger will to work on that balancing act and help you beat the burnout. The world of burnout is not black and white, you guys. We don't all experience it the same ways or need the same solutions and tools to help us along. But I do hope that something I share today gives you inspiration and hope hope that you need to see that you can get through this and that honestly you are not alone we are all here together and together we're gonna all be okay now if you have a idea for a future podcast or a question for me about work or career reach out This show is designed for you, so let me know how I can help you find land and kick ass at the job of your dreams. My email is always open. 
connect at tessawolf.com or you can message me on Instagram at the Yes Pile Podcast. Now, next week's show is designed for anyone and everyone entering a new career or a new industry post-pandemic. We're going to talk about how you can identify, lift, and shift your most valuable skills and traits to position you for a new industry and a bright new job. You won't want to miss it. Before we go, if today was at all helpful for you and you learned something from the work we did together, please do me a favor and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling extra inspired and generous, please give us a rating and review. For more career advice, inspiration, and fun, follow us on Instagram at the Yes Pile Podcast. Until next time, cheers, everyone. 